you're thinking, I'm in church. We're watching Disney? Uh, well, this summer, we have chosen to have a lot of fun together. At, at the end of the, uh, the spring season, I was preaching a pretty deep message, and we thought, why not just have some fun this summer, make it a little bit lighter, and let's look at some of the classic Disney movies and, and journey kind of through the gospel ties that are in the Disney movies. Now, I'm a big Disney fan. I've confessed that to you every week that I preached. Uh, I, I, my children grew up watching these wonderful Disney movies, and so there's kind of a neat kind of heart tie that I have with these Disney movies. But one of the cool things about every Disney movie is that these stories uh, are re- always related with the human condition. There's always tragedy. There's, there's some type of challenge or t- some type of sorrow. And the Bible is, is, is God's response to our human condition. So even this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at a movie. Have you already noticed? You already got that outline in front of you? Pull out your outline, if you will, and hopefully you got a pen there in front of you. I'm going to get you to take some notes and fill in some blanks. We're going to be looking at Frozen this morning. Real quickly, show of hands, how many of you have seen Frozen? Tell the truth. Here we go. Wow, a lot of us. All right, now let's see the other folks. Who has never seen Frozen? And I'm about to spoil it all for you. Okay, all right. Now, some of you guys, you don't watch movies anyway. I know Francis never even seen Nemo. So, you know, uh, uh, so this morning, I'm going to get to talk about Frozen. Now, I got to tell you guys, I had the whole Disney vault to pick movies out of, and I overlooked Frozen at first when I thought about the gospel ties. But as I started thinking and as I started looking and pulling apart the threads of the storyline, I believe that movie Frozen, which has become like a worldwide sensation, I mean, it won an Academy Award for Let It Go, you know, that you'll hear in just a little while and we'll all be singing for the rest of the day. And, um, you know, it, 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 by the way, first Disney movie to break $1 billion, all right? It's, it is a worldwide success. But when I started pulling it apart, I realized that Frozen actually has more gospel redemption ties maybe than almost any other Disney movie, including the one that was shared last week, Hunchback of Notre Dame. By the way, I'm so thankful for Brandon Hubler uh, to be able to preach last week, a young preacher that we gave the, the chance to preach. Thank you for giving him grace and allowing him to bring the word. So Frozen, we're going to look at Frozen today. My first experience with Frozen was not in the movie theater. My daughter went to go see Frozen, and she came back and from seeing it. Now, this is a 21-year-old girl who still loves to go to Disney all the time. Her favorite trip would be to go to Orlando. And she said, Dad, Disney finally got one right again. And I said, what do you mean, babe? She said, the music to Frozen is awesome. You know, and there's like 10 great songs on their, on their soundtrack. Um, and, and I'm going to play a couple for you today. But um, it's just a fun movie. I think that's what makes Frozen such a great success. And the story is, as we'll see, uh, has a lot that you can shake out of it. Now, as we begin today, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. Um, I have enjoyed some other sides to Frozen than just the Disney movie. There are a lot of parodies out there, okay? Demi Lovato has sang, and so has Idina Mazel. They both sang this whole Let It Go so much that people are now doing all kinds of crazy stuff on Facebook and on YouTube. And one of my favorite things that I have enjoyed finding out there for Frozen, I found, you know, a little while ago, and every time I watch it, it makes me smile, and I just thought I'd start today because I think it'll make you smile, okay? It's a mom and a daughter enjoying this great movie. So watch this. Maybe you've seen it already. Have you seen this? Okay, can I just say something crazy? I love crazy. All my life has been a series of doors in my face. And then suddenly I bump into you. I was thinking the same thing. Because, like, I've been searching my whole life to find my own place. 
And maybe it's the party talking or the chocolate fondue. But with you, but with you, I found my place. I see your face, and, and it's nothing like I've ever known before. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. Each other's sandwiches. That's what I was gonna say. I've never met someone who thinks so much like me. Jake's, Jake's again. Our mental synchronization can have but one explanation. You and I were just meant to be. and dads and these kids to enjoy together. And what I, one of the reasons we're doing this series is I think that these Disney movies and, and a lot of different movies actually give you a platform to have a conversation. They give you a platform to say, hey, what are the redemption and the gospel story ties in with these stories that we find so familiar or that we love so much? Now, um, our trivia question for the day that Mallory shared earlier, and somebody got it right back there in the back, um, and the question was, um, Frozen, where did it come from? And the answer to the question was that Disney pulled Frozen and the storyline, they, they changed it a little bit, but they pulled it from Hans Christian Andersen's short story called The Snow Queen. Now, I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, actually in foreign countries, The Snow Queen is what it was actually titled. It never was titled Frozen. For example, here's a, uh, here's a poster from a, a, a foreign country that actually leaves it just like that. Um, and, and so what I wanted to kind of share with you was this movie Frozen, which has been changed a little, by, a little bit by the Disney story, actually was written and released in December in the 1800s by Hans Christian Andersen. Now, the cool thing is, Hans Christian Andersen wanted the Snow Queen, his little short story, to be a Christian message in much the same way as Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, by C.S. Lewis, or by The Lord of the Rings with J.R.R. Tolkien. And so when he wrote The Snow Queen... He was writing about this, this queen who would touch everything and turn it to ice. And she was an evil villain. And she would actually capture the children and she would turn them to ice until one little girl goes as kind of like a Christ-like figure to confront her and to even sacrifice to get the rest of her captives away from the Snow Queen. Well, Disney looked at that story and they said, wow, let's, let's take this story. And they changed it around a little bit. And I'll tell you a little bit of the way they changed it around as we go forward. But what I want to share with you is the very fact that Frozen comes from a story called the Snow Queen where the writer was hoping to share the gospel messages of redemption. A lot of folks don't even know that. They don't even know that the heart of the core of uh, Frozen comes from a short story that was written 
to display the love, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, um, I want to I, I tell you a little bit about the movie, and then I'm going to let you watch another clip. So this movie, Frozen, is really the story of two girls, two princess young girls, one named Elsa and one named Anna. Elsa is the older, and Anna is the younger. Now, Elsa, if you've watched this movie, you know the story already. Elsa uh, was born with a certain power, and I guess most of the movie, it's considered a, cons- a curse. Uh, she is able to touch uh, or spread her fingers out, and whatever she uh, touches or points toward can turn to ice. She can, uh, she can, she can turn anything or any people to ice. And so it can be a very dangerous thing, as we'll find. She's going to end up hurting her little sister, Anna, by accident because of this power that she has. And so this curse is there, and I kind of wanted to get you a, give you a picture of what it looks like, especially even in the very beginning of the movie, when she doesn't even know how to use this power. All right, so watch this. This is Elsa and Anna. This is getting out of hand. It was an accident. I'm sorry, Anna. She's ice cold. I know where we have to go. What's interesting about this uh, piece of the movie, I don't know if you've thought about it before, was the plot line for this movie changed a little bit with the release of this Frozen. You see, in, in, in days of old, in the old Disney stories, in the fantasy worlds, there was always kind of an external villain. I want you to think about that for a minute. Uh, for example, in Snow White, we all know there was an evil queen, right? And so there was kind of like this heroine, there was this evil 
antagonist, you know, and you had an antagonist, you had a protagonist, and then normally you had a hero coming from the outside. And that's the way it is in a lot of those different movies, even up as recently as Mulan. I mean, you had the Huns who were the evil people who were on the outside, right? And, and you're always finding it's an exterior evil force. What's interesting about Frozen is Disney takes that whole paradigm and that whole story and it kind of shifts it around from what might be considered a modern fantasy with some of those other Disney stories to being a postmodern fantasy. In Frozen, there really isn't a villain. There's kind of an evil guy that kind of shows up later on, but there's not a true villain who is at odds with your protagonists, Elsa and Anna. What is actually a case, the, the case is that the, the, the antagonist is taken from the external and put on the internal. It's the curse. It's the curse that Anna has that turns everything frozen. I'm sorry, that Elsa has that turns everything frozen. And so Elsa... She does what her dad tells her to do, and then later on her dad and her mother die, but she continues to do that kind of thing. She, she doesn't know what to do about this internal curse that can hurt people and can, 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 can destroy, and so what she does is she just hides it. It's a secret, and so she, she locks herself away from other people. She becomes detached. She becomes, she becomes unemotional. She becomes isolated, and here's the big question. She's like, what am I going to do? about this thing in me, this curse that is in me. Got your pen. What is the gospel tie that I make there? And, and really, uh, Elsa's story is our story. Every one of us have that same kind of story. So the first thing I'd like for you to write down in point number one is this. This is, a, this is a picture of our human situation, not just Elsa's situation, our human situation. The curse of sin entraps us. Our own darkness inside becomes our own, our own snare, our own trap that traps us. Every person in this room knows what it's like to, to feel a darkness in you, to want to do something you know is not a good thing, it's not a right thing, and, and, and you have to stop yourself from wanting to do it because you want to do the very wrong thing. And what's interesting is this whole, this curse that's going on in Elsa, it literally traps her. I mean, she is stuck in her own room. She doesn't even go outside the, the doors of her own home. She is trapped even away from other people because she's afraid of this thing, this curse that is on her. And one of the things I, I just kind of want to remind you guys of is that this is our situation as well. Now, for Elsa, what did it bring her way? What did the curse come? The curse brought hurt. Uh, she was, had fear by the way, did you notice we sang a bunch of songs that talk, spoke about fear this morning? We talked about giving our fears to God. Well, the, that curse brought fear into Elsa's world. That curse brought loneliness into Elsa's world. And that curse brought secrecy into Elsa's world. The Bible says very clearly that here's a story for me and you. Our story, uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, not some, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I have to even remind myself of this. One of the scriptures I want to share with you today was from Psalm chapter 51. The, the psalmist said, surely I was sinful at birth, uh, from, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, I've shared this with you before, but I, I just want to remind you of it, that even that most beautiful, cuddly little baby that is born brand new, sitting right there in the, in the delivery room, the Bible says that that very child, from the moment they're born, 
Their very nature is like Elsa, cursed, has a sin nature. Stephen, what is that all about? Well, we call it kind of theologically, we call it universal sin. That not only when, when humanity fell in the Garden of Eden did humans fall, did our nature change, but the Bible talks about all of creation, all of, the nature of all of creation fell at that moment. God's plan was not sin. God's plan was not disobedience. God's plan was not rebellion. And listen, God's plan was not death. That wasn't in God's plan. But we chose our own way. And so we, uh, myself, you, your children, your grandchildren, the children that, that, you might, uh, that might be part of your family line that you don't even know, we are part of this human condition, this human situation. And that is that the curse of sin traps us. It hurts us. It causes us to be secretive. It causes us to be uh, isolated. This is our story. Now, Elsa, you, if you've seen the movie, you know what happens. Even as a young girl, her dad says, Elsa, you, you're going to cause problems with this. We've got to keep it a secret. He gives her gloves to wear so she doesn't have the ability to, to spread out the ice from her fingers anymore. And so she wears gloves at all times. She's, she's locked away in her own room. She doesn't even play with Anna anymore because she's afraid she'll hurt her sister. And her dad basically encourages her to be isolated, to isolate herself from the rest of the world. Now, what's interesting is that that doesn't work. Even after her mom and dad die, she continues to follow his orders, to follow his plan. It doesn't work. If you've seen the movie, you know that eventually, uh, unexpectedly, and as a surprise to her, she sends the whole kingdom into a perpetual ice uh, storm. I mean, her, she, the, the, the kingdom turns into a, an ice kingdom because of her. And what does she do? So she does what many of us do when we see our own sin nature getting out of our control. She runs. And so what does she do? She Elsa runs off to the mountains. She leaves all the people aside. She, she tries to get away by herself. And as she runs off to the mountains, finally in the mountains, she doesn't have anybody out there that she can hurt. And so what does she do? She gives the very thing that was her curse, freedom. Now she takes off the gloves. Now out in the mountains, she can turn anything to ice and it doesn't matter. And with this incredible freedom that she now has, she just goes, you know, crazy with it, you know. She's, she feels liberated in this moment. Now, as she turns her powers or her curse loose, what's interesting is this is the place where we get the fantastic song, right? Let it go, all right? Let it go. Now, I'm going to tell you something about this song uh, as about, about this song afterwards, but at first glance, when you watch this moment in Elsa's story, when she's finally able to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about hiding anymore, I'm just going to let me be me. At first glance, it seems very freeing, it seems very liberating. Listen to the words, because we're going to find out that that freedom really isn't freedom at all. Let's listen to this very famous song that we'll be listening to in our mind the rest of the day. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. 
She seems as free as she can be, finally, right? This is the girl who locked herself away in her bedroom and wouldn't have anything to do with anybody else, and now she's free. But if you know the story, she's as trapped as she's ever been. Thankfully, Anna's out there searching for her, but we'll get to Anna in a few minutes, okay? You know, I, I can't help but watch this, and my mind goes to the prodigal son. Remember that story in the, in the Bible, how the prodigal son just wanted to get off and do his own thing and leave? And, I, and that, that line that keeps coming back over and over in that, that, that song, you know, let the storm rage on. The storm for Elsa is right here. The storm isn't external. The storm is right here. Let the storm rage on. And as she experienced this newfound freedom, we know 
that uh, she's going to do some rough things with her freedom, and she's going to create things that can even destroy beyond what she had already created to send the kingdom in a perpetual Iceland. This freedom uh, is not freedom at all. You got your pen? Fill this in for point number two. Um, So we're talking about that curse of our human condition, right? Hiding it nor embracing it will solve the problem. Hiding it nor embracing it. So in the first part of her life, that's exactly what she did. She tried to hide it. And so she, she hid it and didn't let anybody know the curse that she had. And that, 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 just, that just caused her a lot of conflict and it caused her, caused her own isolation. And it did not solve the curse, right? Now, what she's going to do is she's going to embrace it. She's going to embrace this curse in her life. She's going to run off and she's going to do and create some things that will even destroy beyond what she had already done. Did you hear the lyrics? No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Those were the lyrics of the song. Here's another one. Turn away and slam the door. See, she's, she's free in her mind, but we know the curse is still there. All this, all this changed is now she's not hiding it anymore. Idina Menzel, the lady, who, the Broadway musician who did this song, uh, stood up when, at, at, you know, to, to perform it. You probably remember that great moment when John Travolta introduced her and messed up her name, right? Um, she came out and she sang Let It Go. And she was critiqued heavily because when she sang the song, she didn't sing it like the Disney character. See, the Disney character has a smile on her face, right? Let the storm rage on. This, the, 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 the cold never bothered me anyway. It's, it's a liberating feel, but she doesn't realize at that moment she's trapped. When Idina, Idina Menzel sang that song, she sang it with no smile on her face and conflicted in her body language. Why? Because she's an excellent musician. She's a Broadway musician. She knew the story, and she knew the struggle that was going on within Elsa, and, and as she sang that song, she was trying to paint a picture of the conflict in the character because of the, the curse that is there. If I hide it, it doesn't help me. But yet if I embrace it, that doesn't help me either. What am I going to do? How can I be saved from this curse? And it's interesting. So what does she do? She builds this palace of ice. You know, I think later on she builds this monster, right, that begins destroying other things. What, what happens, by the way, that's interesting. I read some folks who said this is almost like Dante's Inferno, where the picture of hell wasn't fire, it was ice. Or like Milton's Paradise Lost, the picture of hell there is of an ice kingdom, of a cold kingdom, not of what we think hell to be. Elsa has created her own hell where she has embraced the conflict within her, and it's going to even cause more destruction than it caused before. What does she need to do is the question. Read this scripture with me real quickly, again from the psalmist. The psalmist in Psalm 32 said this, Blessed, some scriptural translations change that word to happy or prosperous. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. That's hiding, right? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. This psalmist is talking about sin and the curse in his own life. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then... That's a big change. Then I acknowledged my sin to you 
and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my sin, my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, so this story gives us a picture of what's really going to need to happen. I mean, Elsa's going to need a savior. She's going to need somebody to save her because by herself she can't solve her curse problem. And, of course, the psalmist was in the very same place. The psalmist said, you know, when I, when, I, when I hid my sin, I felt like my bones were wasting inside of me. And your hand was heavy on me because I knew I had done wrong in your eyes. When I finally confessed it, God, that's when, I, that's when you forgave me. And all the guilt, the psalmist was being forgiven of the curse. James 4, 8, one of my favorite scriptures of all time. because I love it because it's so memorable. It's memorable. You can certainly memorize James 4, 8. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Now, if you know this story at all, you know that Anna, the younger sister, the one who got struck there in the halls of the, of the castle, Anna is like a Christ-like figure. Anna, in the early part of the movie, is standing outside the door pleading for a relationship, and, and Elsa won't come. Anna is the one who, who pursues and won't give up. Anna is relentless after her sister. Even when she runs away and after the whole kingdom is in ice, Anna will not give up on her sister. She stays after her. She perseveres. She chases after her sister. She knows that her sister is not an evil person just because of this cursed ability to turn everything frozen. And, and it, what, what really needs to happen is for Anna and Elsa to finally come together. How does this relate to you and me? We need a Savior. You got your pen? Let's talk about our Savior for a few minutes, okay? Write down number three. Um, Our salvation from our own curse is found in the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In the love, He loves us. And in His sacrifice, it wasn't just His love that fixed our curse problem. His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary can fix our curse problem. His sacrifice for me and for you. And so in this movie, we finally get the picture of this Christ-like figure, Anna, who finally uh, puts herself in harm's way in the attempt to save her sister. She sacrifices herself for her her sister. And so um, I'll let you watch a little bit about this, but I want you to listen especially to the words. Listen to the words. Anna.
Elsa, you sacrificed yourself for me? I love you. An act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. Love will thaw. Love. Of course. Elsa? Love! favorite line of the movie happens to be, you sacrifice yourself for me. I love you. You know, guys, um, this, this, this understanding that what we really need is not to run from our sin or to hide from our sin or to give liberation to our own sin or our own curse, but to actually embrace the Savior, that's the heart of, of the human story. That's the heart of our story, our need. You want freedom? our need to really find freedom from a Savior. And what, one of the cool things about being a pastor of a church is I get to know so many stories about folks whose lives are changed because they come into contact with Jesus Christ. And I could tell you story after story after story of hearts that were changed, lives that were changed, because folks finally said, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to hide anymore, I'm just going to embrace the one who's been searching after me. And I, I just, I, I didn't even tell him, I should have gotten permission beforehand, but one of, the, one of the guys that runs all this technology that we use here in this church, Tom, when, when Tom first came here to Harvest Point, um, I'll never forget, uh, one of the first things he said to me, one of the very first things was, he said, I'm so glad to be here, it's like I've had my heart surrounded by icy steel, and Jesus is melting it. That image, he spoke that to me a more than a decade a year, a decade ago. And that image stuck with me. Because that's what happens. That's what happened to me. I hope that's happened for you in your life. When you finally said, you know what? I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to actually confess my sin and be forgiven by a Savior who loves me and cares for me. Read this scripture with me. The Bible says in Isaiah 3, Surely He took up our pain and He bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, you might want to underline those words, we are healed. You know, Elsa has no hope for, for her curse except for her sister. And her sister is the one who sacrifices for her. And from that moment on, she's a, she understands that love is the way that is the context for how she'll live the rest of her life. One more scripture, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still stuck in our state, our, our conflict, our own curse, Christ died for us. That's true salvation. And this is what true freedom is really 
all about. And I was just thinking, I wonder how many of us, if not almost all of us, have some conflict in us that is part of that sin nature that we just, uh, we struggle with, you know? And we say, man, Jesus, I want to be, be liberated from this. I really want to be free of this. I don't want to hide it anymore. I don't want to give license to it or, 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 or I don't want to just let it go anymore. I want to give this thing to you. You want true freedom. That's the heart of what this having, needing and having a Savior is really all about. That's the way you get to true freedom. Remember Jesus' words? He whom the Son, he or she, I should add, he or she whom the Son has set free will be free indeed. That's the heart of what freedom is all about. Now, I want to show you one more clip, but I'm going to do it a little differently. Um, in every other Disney movie that I've used to share the gospel with you, I've always taken you right up to the end. But on this one, I'm going to go backwards, okay? One of the most famous songs in this movie was sung right at the early part, and it's uh, a song called You Want to Build a Snowman? Remember that song? Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to play this song for you, and it's kind of a sad song, all right? And it's especially sad if you realize that on the other side of the door, the one who's been locked out is the saving one who can actually save her sister. Think about it that way and let's watch this. Elsa? Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. We used to be best buddies, and now we're not. I wish you would tell me why. Do you want to build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Go away, Anna. Okay, bye. The gloves will help. See? Conceal it. Don't feel it. Don't, Don't let it show. <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? Or ride our bike around the halls? I think some company's overdue. I've started talking to the pictures on the walls. Hang in there, Joan. It gets a little lonely. All these empty rooms. Just watching the hours tick by. Getting upset only makes it worse. Calm down. No, don't touch me. Please, I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> See you in two weeks. Do you have to go? You'll be fine, Elsa. Where you've been 
They say have courage, and I'm trying to. I'm right out here for you. Just let me in. We only have each other. It's just you and me. What are we gonna do? Do you wanna build a snowman? Gosh, super sad, isn't it? Especially when you realize around the other side of that door is the one who will end up sacrificing and saving for life. You know, one of the pictures in the Bible of where Jesus is at, not something I made up in my imagination, not something that I conjured up. One of the pictures, if you have your pen, can you write this down, number four? One of the pictures of where Jesus is at is on the other side of the door. Revelation Chapter 3, verse 20. John the Revelator said this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, Elsa had locked out her sister, and it's that image of being locked away from just on the other side of the very one who can save us. Now, you know, for Disney, listen, originally, Disney had planned on leaving Elsa as the villain. But when Disney started looking at the storyline, because in Hans Christian Andersen's story, the Snow Queen, there's no redemption. The Snow Queen is the evil one. And the sacrifice is made by a little girl who, who ransoms and saves all the frozen children. Disney looked at the story of, of the Snow Queen, and Disney said, we've got to change this. We've got to let one sister's sacrifice save the other. And Disney, I believe, even maybe even not even realizing they were doing something, took the story of Hans Christian Andersen and kind of one up there a little bit. Hans Christian Andersen was trying to paint a story of an evil one who, who captures our souls and holds us in a perpetual state of ice and isolation. But what Disney did was they gave a picture of one who is actually saved and, and in that process experiences wholeness again, you know? A newness of life. I love that this story is told to children. And if we could just help children understand the redemption themes in this story, I think more and more children would really understand what a Savior is really all about. Because it's very simple. It's a very simple understanding. God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. Why'd you sacrifice for me? Because I love you. It doesn't get more simple than that, right? Can I just take a little poll in this place real quickly? I bet you've never even thought about this before, but those of you who consider yourself Christ followers, how many of you made a profession to be a Christ follower before the age of 25? Would you just raise your hand up real quickly? Just hold that hand high for a minute. Would you just look around this room for a minute and look at how many of us in this room came to Christ before we were ever 25 years of age? Do you realize how important our children's ministry is that we're leading children to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is and how important our, our student ministry is for our youth, you know, that was me. I gave my life to Jesus at a very young age, at a very young age. And that's not everybody. But what I'm sharing with you is that there, 
There are stories like this that we can relate the gospel in to help our children understand. And I would encourage every mom and dad here to do so. Because leading your children to Christ is the singular most important thing you can ever do for your child. But just as a couple of final closing thoughts. If there's somebody here this morning and and you've kept Jesus on the other side of the door for whatever reason, doesn't matter. I would hope you get that picture this morning of, of Jesus standing on the other side of the door knocking and saying, you know, I just want to be here with you. I just want you to come back to me. You know, there are times in our lives, I know, where, where we've kept the door locked and we've actually maybe never come into a relationship with him and, and we finally unlock the door and life changes for us. But let me, let's be honest here. Part of our human condition is we can also go back in and lock the door and try to hold Jesus at bay again. And here's what I was told, and I just believe it in my soul. God's a gentleman. He won't force you to do anything. He's like the father for the prodigal son. Prodigal son says, I'm going to go off. Okay. He doesn't force us. And if there's a door that you've locked, listen, you're at church today and you're hearing a gospel message that says maybe today, Maybe the day is the day you say, you know what, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm not going to embrace it anymore. God, today, here it is. Here's my cursed thing. Maybe there's somebody here today for the very first day you'd say, you know what, God's been knocking on my door and knocking on my door, and I've tried to pretend he's not there. But like Anna, but a lot more than Anna, he's been relentless. He's pursued me. He's come after me. And he sacrificed for me. It's about time I gave him a little bit of attention. Where are you this morning? I know Frozen has a gospel message for me. I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's a Savior. (laughs) And I'm in desperate need of him every day. I'm not talking about one time. You know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 11 years old. That, That day he became my Savior. But I'm more like John Wesley. Jesus is saving my soul every minute of every day. He's still saving my soul every minute of every day. Is that you? Listen, if you've had the door locked, I encourage you today. I'm going to pray for you. I encourage you. All you do is you just open the door of your heart best you know how. And you say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for bowing your heads and kind of giving your